If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, follow and rate on your preferred podcast platforms. If you'd like to reach out to me, simply connect to me on Twitter. Links in the description. I think if the pandemic taught us anything, um, and this is from last year, that, uh, you know, it, it really showed us that we're on the right track. Um, all organizations, everyone working in, in sustainable transportation, we're on the right track. Like this is definitely something that is very important. You know, you're, you're right. Last year, public transportation decreased because uh, of the lockdown. And then there were concerns with social with physical distancing. But there was also like an increase in cycling. And this was like quite interesting to see across the country. There was almost like a mini cycling revolution happened because it was a quick and easy, fast way for people to move around. This is Akila Suri. She is an architect, urban designer, and a manager in the Sustainable Cities and Transport Program at World Resources Institute, India. She works on designing safer streets and cities with people-first approach and has several successful projects in her portfolio. Today in India, urban mobility has many issues with safety and congestion. And going forward, urban design along with good practice play an important role in making our cities more sustainable. In this episode, we talk about street design and transport innovation. Here's my conversation with Akila Suri. The beauty of understanding design psychology is that uh, one can design products that require no manual to operate. Uh, And we often see this in uh, technologies like uh, smartphones. uh, And you can see kids uh, just picking up smartphones and using them. Uh, And design in general is a lot about uh, understanding how uh, humans interact with products. Uh, At least this is what I I understand. Uh, So what motivated you to start a career in architecture and work on urban design and uh, what part aspect of that makes it fun for you uh, can you talk about your journey with uh, design yeah sure so i mean you're right design is a lot about uh, understanding uh, human behavior um so i was always very interested in the arts, sciences, humanities also. So for me at a young age, architecture just seemed like the perfect blend of all these different fields. And, you know, as a child, I also didn't want to do engineering, didn't want to do medicine, all of that. So that typically, so that drew me towards architecture. But once I was in the course, really, really opened my eyes, you know, that uh, you need to understand human behavior. You need to uh, prioritize uh, human behavior to be able to design for it well and sometime in my fourth year and this is typically what happens across most institutions is that around the fourth or fifth year is when you start getting introduced to the urban scale and around that time is when I was exposed to you know works of people like Jane Jacobs, um, Kevin Lynch, Jan Gale so and something just clicked for me at that point because that really resonated with me, you know, sort of looking at how people experience the city itself. So that was very fascinating. I remember this one professor of mine um, told me once that if architecture is, you know, if architecture is designing the building, then urban design is the design of the spaces in between buildings. So that really fascinated me. And 
that's how I made the switch from architecture to urban design. And also, I think another aspect of it was that at some level, I felt that I wanted to sort of make an impact to more people, more lives. And my reasoning was that people, more people use cities as opposed to using one particular building. So that's really how I got into urban design. And the what makes it fun for me is, is that only, is that you know you can study human behavior. Of, I have an interest in psychology and human behavior. So to identify, look at patterns of human movement, design around it, or, that's something that's very exciting for me. So, uh, and does the aspect, I mean, when we talk about buildings, it's usually a small group of people. Uh, but I guess with urban design, you have to think of a you know a society or a community. So does that uh, make your work difficult uh, with respect to understanding the behavior? I think it makes it more interesting because again, you're right. Like when you have one particular building, you you know, I mean, who the users are going to be. If you're designing a hospital, you broadly know who you're designing for. You know the end user. With urban design, street design, urban planning, you're pretty much designing for everyone. Um, it makes it difficult in the sense that you need to consider each and every aspect of it. So the problem is that, you know, is, is when we start designing only for the average person, but what about people, what about children? Like how do, how do you design streets that work for children as well as people who are elderly, people who are on wheelchairs maybe, who are blind, people just use spaces in different ways. So I, I'd say it just makes it more challenging, makes it more exciting. Uh, I want to talk about the projects that you're involved in. Uh, but before that, can you talk about some uh, uh, lessons or good urban design practices from uh, cities across the world that uh, you think uh, we could implement here in India? So the thing with urban design is that urban design as a field is really vast, right? Because it, it, it covers everything, uh, right? From waterfronts to planning and designing townships. I mean, it's just, it's just really, really vast. So what I can sort of share are something that I am really interested in is um, streets and looking at how streets can be transformed. And my personal favorite, uh, my go-to story is this, is the story of New York and how it transformed its streets. So, you know, up to 2005, 2006, New York was like any other city. It was, it was like, say, a Bombay or a Bangalore or a Delhi. There were cars, congestion and all of that. But in 2009, the city started transforming and they really started re-looking at how, how can we change how we look at streets, you know? Like, instead of looking at them as these conduits for traffic, can we make them for people themselves? And that's when they started doing very interesting things. They started reclaiming space from carriageway and they would give it to the pedestrians. They would add these plazas, put cafe chairs outside. Um, in fact, Times Square, as we see it right now in all these images and movies, as, is a result of many, many uh, small interventions that happened starting from 2009. So I think that approach in itself is, is something that, as Indian cities, it's something that we can look at and learn from. And we're already starting to do it. It's, it's not like we haven't done this. But um, just to prioritize people, and not really look at them as you know, car users or pedestrians who are possibly maybe not that not that important. But and also what is interesting is that you know how good design is linked to you know economic benefits or mental health benefits or 
apart from just adding aesthetic value, right? And I think New York in that way demonstrates all of this. So that is really something I think we can look to, um, you know, learn from and implement in our cities. And uh, is this, uh, so you mentioned 2009, so, so we're talking about a five or a 10 year uh, uh, duration for uh, you know, change to be, uh, to see change. Uh, so is that, uh, so what what makes that or what decides uh, that, uh, is it uh, the, the kind of resources and the kind of designs or is it more about how uh, people interact and use those uh, 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 features, for example. So here is where it gets very interesting that uh, one of the reasons why this approach was very successful for New York and then many other cities around the world you know, have also adopted this is that they started, they adopted this approach called tactical urbanism, which is basically, you know, very low cost, but high impact, uh, it's a very low cost, high impact way of transforming a space overnight. So let's say, um, so for example, in New York only, so they uh, closed off this one particular stretch called Broadway, Broadway Boulevard, to cars. They re rerouted the cars to another route and decided to make it for pedestrians only. And at certain intersections of this Times Square, they wanted to redesign it for pedestrians. So how, do, how did they start doing that? They just did something very simple. They just took like these traffic cones and placed them on the ground. So the investment was very low, right? They just got traffic cones. They got cans of paint, paint brushes, makeshift cafe chairs, chairs, tables. There were businesses already there that also you know sponsored some of this. And overnight, they transformed this to a very attractive public space that required little to no you know, civil improvements to start with. Uh, once they did that, and that helped to kind of invite people. So, and, and so there are so many stories about this, about how the minute they started, the minute they put those traffic cones, people started thronging. Like pedestrians started using that space. It became really vibrant. It stopped being this crazy car, car congested, you know, zone. And overnight, they could sort of see the benefits of it, and that helped make a case for the permanent transformation. Which you're right, which takes time, right? Which takes a couple of years, five, six years. But until then, you still have a system in place that guarantees that your people can enjoy the way it's supposed to be used. So that's another very interesting approach that uh, we are actually many Indian cities are already you know trying out now. Uh, so your Twitter page and uh, the learning modules on uh, World Resource uh, Institute, uh, uh, Resources Institute India's uh, YouTube page, uh, I think. Uh, they showcase very interesting and uh, uh, the procedure and the kind of progress that uh, the organization has made uh, with respect to improvement work. Uh, and this, uh, I think, is focused on Mumbai, Delhi, and Bangalore. Uh, and I've seen some of this personally uh, uh, close to Outer Ring Road with the new bus lanes and uh, pedestrian walkways. Uh, so can you talk about uh, such ongoing projects uh, that you're working on and uh, the kind of data you collect to uh, assess impact and how these projects will uh, improve the lives of people? So uh, I work at WRI India and uh, we're basically a research organization that works on sustainable cities. You know, How do you make cities work better for everyone? That's the question that we typically ask. 
um the most most projects that i work on are basically they basically fall under the realm of sort of road safety and i work specifically with the transport and road safety team the so the idea here is and so and this is a huge problem across the world that we lose millions and millions of lives uh, in road crashes every year in india alone every year roughly around 1.5 lakh deaths in road crashes and these crashes are largely preventable and you'll notice i'm saying the word crash and not accident because and this is now generally accepted terminology in these circles because an accident is something that is you know something you can't help it's it's, you know, it's a act of god or whatever but a crash is something that can be controlled investigated and corrected so the thing is that traditionally the approach to road safety is is the onus is on the user you know so there's a lot of victim blaming that oh they don't know how to drive properly or this person is cross the road uh, the onus is on the user to be safe uh, whereas what we're increasingly starting to realize is that it's not so simple as that right it's 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 far more complex and the concept of a safe systems approach this was uh, first taken up in sweden uh, this is something that is sort of gaining a lot more momentum and safe system approach is basically where you kind of you understand that human lives are first of all important no life should be lost in a crash and there are many reasons to why a crash happens and many reasons to many ways that we can improve you know road safety so it could be better infrastructure better enforcement education awareness is another part uh, better vehicle design i mean there are just so many factors so Uh, the work that i do is essentially under the infrastructure lens so we look at how i how we can make road safer for you know all users and this is where you know we bring um, our knowledge as designers because essentially as designers you are trained to design for human behavior and if you're doing that then you're you're basically doing a good job because then you're designing it for all users and not just one particular like not just the car or the pedestrian um so we just we train to design cities so that they're safer for people to use and there's a lot of data out there that shows that pedestrians are the most likely to lose their lives in a crash in fact even just in bangalore like the 2018 2019 data every year 35 to 40% of the people losing their lives in crashes are from pedestrians so and traditional transport planning prioritizes automobiles everyone else is just a guest on the road or doesn't really belong on the road so a lot of the work that i do sort of focuses uh, around that so in cities like bangalore delhi mumbai we we work with we work directly with decision makers in the city so this could be the corporation or the traffic police but we work with them to redesign junctions and streets we look at black spots which are high risk high risk locations where a number of people have lost their lives and that's i think what you uh, mentioned around the outer ring road uh, the outer ring road in bangalore is one of the most dangerous places to be a pedestrian today um it's it's really deadly people lose their lives just while crossing the road there because they you know they get off at a bus stop and they're crossing the road so projects like that and then we also look at institutional uh, mechanism improvements like are there the right guidelines in place what what other systems can we introduce to enable good design in the city and this capacity building so it's it's a whole range of projects um the end goal is very simple that everyone should be able to travel comfortably on the streets without having to lose their lives and especially if you are what is typically known as a vulnerable road user so if you are 
someone who's a pedestrian or a cyclist or even someone on a two wheeler you sh- you shouldn't lose your life for having for doing something something as simple as crossing the road so um, that's about the work i do and in terms of the data that we sort of collect to assess impact i mean there's qualitative and quantitative data but we use um, we we measure things like um, reduction in pedestrian crossing distances let's say like if it's a junction redesign typically we make junctions more compact so how much shorter uh, is that distance that pedestrian has to walk before he's again at the footpath you know what is the time taken to cross are we reducing that what is the reduction in vehicle clearance time because it's not just about making it better for pedestrians about making it better for everyone else and also there's data that traffic police generally collects on a yearly basis on what are the lives lost at these locations that over a period of time you do see that uh, impact in that sense and then also interestingly we also collect a lot of qualitative data you know through perception surveys you know uh, just we get out on the ground and we ask people so how how safe do you feel now versus compared to before or um how convenient is it and what do you think we should change so this is different kinds of data that we collect and uh, try to show that you know these things help and make a difference uh, so you talked about changing uh, infrastructure uh, to uh, make road safer so i'm assuming for pedestrians uh, you've seen a lot of skywalks uh, these days so that it's uh, safer to cross roads uh, and you mentioned uh, i think junction optimization uh, as the other uh, are there any other kind of infrastructure changes that uh, we might see uh, in the future so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot right there's like um, if we look at um, street design so street when i say street design it could be uh, there's already a lot of street redesign work that has happened in bangalore especially under tendershwar and there's a lot that the city is already doing so uh, if i have to mention specific elements um, there are things like raised crossings which are basically pedestrian crossings but at the level of the footpath there are in just designing footpaths well in different zones so you have a clear walking zone you have a clear furniture zone you have a clear utility zone where all utilities and boxes are located um designing for crossings at you know uh, at 200 meters 400 meters uh, intervals sometimes uh, depending on where streets are located if it's in front of a school or if it's in front of a hospital how does that change the design of the street you know do you need to provide more places to pause or to wait or design for access so I mean, these are different things that different elements that would change when you redesign a street say uh, apart from that even neighborhood improvements you know so we look at a ward level and you kind of look at accessibility across the ward level so how do you ensure that within a 500 meter or 1 kilometer radius people can walk comfortably and easily to get their essentials get to the pharmacy go to a hospital walk to school so things like that uh, i mean there are several more but these are a few examples uh you mentioned how these changes uh, not only uh, help uh, people on the roads or uh, you know those driving their vehicles but also the pedestrians uh, etc uh so does this uh, pedestrian and uh, cyclist uh, first mentality uh, whereby you know building uh, better cycle lanes and uh, walkways uh, does it also help reduce uh, the number of cars and in turn Uh, reduce traffic jams uh, 
do you think people will prefer to choose uh, uh, using uh, cycles or going by walk? So that's a, again, the answer is not quite straightforward. So um, designing for pedestrians and designing for cyclists, providing them with better infrastructure would mean that in the future, more people will choose to walk and cycle simply again, because it's more convenient and it's safer. Uh, but having said that, there, it's, I mean, it's a little bit more than that. So there are uh, trips that are longer than seven to eight kilometers. And when I say trip, trip is basically um, the journey that say a person has from point A to point B. So if it's more than say seven, eight kilometers, it's, it's unlikely that they'd walk for so for so long, uh, unless he's particularly fit or you know, really athletic. So there need to be other options, you know, like a very robust public transportation system. So uh, things like that, I think, are also you know important. And you also need to make, you know, essentially, in what we need to do is also look at how you can make driving less convenient. And I don't say this in the way that. Uh, driving is bad or car vehicles are um, cars are bad but for as long as you know taking your car out for a drive to the same point A to point B is easy people will always choose that because it's just more convenient right so there are things that cities have done like London has congestion charges you can introduce increased parking fees look at vehicle demand management things like that would sort of help curb vehicle usage but again again it only makes sense if you have other sustainable transportation options Walking and cycling is one of them, but also public transport. But one thing is very clear is that you know if you design for cars, you will get more cars. There are there are loads of examples that you know show that and can you know, demonstrate that. So that's definitely not the way to go. But yes, definitely providing better walking and cycling infrastructure helps everyone. Uh, speaking of public transportation, uh, I want to talk about buses, uh, which I think. Uh, can be a great way to move around the city uh, if done right of course there are a lot of issues like uh, the bus to population ratio uh, safety comfortability and uh, just overall improving the experience uh, while traveling in the bus uh, so yeah so this this is a more complex issue because it has to now also be better than app based services like ola uh, and uh, Uber. Uh, so how do you think we can improve the bus transportation's experience and the infrastructure in cities? Yeah, so, you know, one way to look at it is that if you look at it from the lens of someone who's driving a car, right, like why would he, or, or even he's, if you're taking an Ola Uber, why would that person switch from a very convenient and comfortable mode of transport to something else new, like it has to, it has to offer him the same benefits, if if not something else. So, uh, if you keep that in mind, like there are a number of things that we can look at if you want to improve bus transportation. So one is definitely you increase capacity, right? You increase the number of buses, the frequency. That is, that's definitely there. Um, but another thing is also increase, allow them to travel faster. And what I mean by this is that there's no point if you have a lot of buses on the roads, but they're stuck in traffic along with all your other vehicles, right? So that's 
that's why like initiatives like having a separate bus lane or getting into bus rapid trans transport systems which are very popular brt uh, these help um, these help prioritize you know bus movement versus other vehicles on the same corridor then there's also the user experience like how convenient is it to catch a bus how how safe do i feel walking to my bus stop um, um you know how is it safe for women i mean uh, i think women are often ignored as like one as one of the users of you know public transportation but i think specifically designing for them is important uh, planning interchange as well you know planning uh, a multimodal integration so for most people you get off at a bus and you often um sometimes you walk home but sometimes you you know catch a rickshaw or you or you switch your mode of transport how easy is that interchange and is is the street or is the uh, area designed for that that's in one way uh, tech i mean people are already starting to use tech to improve you know efficiency things like smart cards that can be used across all modes those things help um yeah so i think these are some of the ways and at the end of the day also financing is really important for public transport i think there's a lot of lot of research being done on this but um, you know land value capture is something that a lot of experts suggest is a one way that public transport can raise funds essentially not to rely only on bus fares alone but look at non fare sources for uh, like france i think has actually has um, some kind of property tax uh, the rationale for that is essentially that uh, employers are actually benefiting from uh, good bus systems because their labor uh, travels by the bus so things like that can Uh, improve bus transportation for sure yeah uh, you talked about how getting from point a to b involves uh, uh, suppose you're not taking a car then it involves uh, maybe a bit of walking then a rickshaw and maybe a bus and between these there are uh, areas where uh, a person is just sitting or standing uh, uh, and so these spaces uh, in in urban areas what uh, what kind of uh, what kind of aspects of what is being done to make them more appealing and safe because uh, uh, i see a lot of improvement with uh, cleaning up spaces and having them well lit uh, so can you talk about how the public spaces uh, which are linked to transportation services are being improved yeah i think that we severely underestimate the role that you know convenience safety comfort uh, has to play in attracting people to make the right sustainable transport choice that is to you know take a bus so um and to really attack this one needs to look at it not just as say you know a redesign of the bus stop itself the bus shelter itself i mean yes that needs to be a very attractive and very useful very uh, well designed sort of space for people to wait but the last mile that the in the first and last mile that we often talk about that the the journey that a person has from their say the house to the bus stop and then the bus to the from the bus stop to their office or back or whatever that needs to be designed well so what i spoke about earlier about designing streets well uh, if one does that then by default you are designing it for this first and last mile connectivity to happen and so what kind of elements would come there right you want to uh, provide for uh, seating spaces at regular uh, at, at 
at regular locations maybe where you're um, you have a wider footpath then put like a, 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 a few seats in the corner along the compound wall i mean there are many things and street lighting is very important one is there is lighting on our streets for our roads but we don't often see a lot of pedestrian lights um that is something that is very important that can be given along the footpath good signage and good wayfinding signage is something that uh, again has started to come up uh, over here uh, that can really help people to kind of again choose to travel by bus to walk to the nearest bus stop to also know how and where they want to go so i think these are some ways that we can improve access in the first and in the first and the last mile Uh, earlier you talked about educating and uh, uh, make uh, 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 creating awareness about uh, good practices uh, so the 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 pedestrian and the cyclist foot mentality uh, which uh, is seen in western countries where people uh, in car stop for pedestrians to cross even though say it is green uh, for example uh, so this is where it goes more into changing the society and uh, changing how people view uh, view people walking in the street so what is being done uh, with in this area is it uh, is there some education program is there something uh, that being that is being worked on um so see i think there are education programs there are campaigns but all of that is pointless if at the end of the day if your infrastructure doesn't walk the talk you know what i mean by this is that as humans we take cues from our environment right so a driver who's driving his car he takes cue from say that the road that he's on and if the street is not designed if, and if the street is designed to prioritize a fast movement of cars uh, it doesn't have pedestrian infrastructure it um, you know things like that then automatically he is sort of told like there are cues given to him that you're important pedestrian is not you do your thing it doesn't matter they will yield to you so i think like education is important but it needs to be hand in hand with you know infrastructure improvements that are that are uh, very much required you know on ground and that's one of the reasons why you know people often say that you know once you go uh if you travel abroad people are well behaved there's traffic discipline but also because the streets are designed a certain way um so i think that is something that we need to understand is important uh what did your uh, what did you and your organization learn from the pandemic that we are uh, currently in i'm assuming there was there was a, there is a decrease in use of public transportation and uh, a spike in uh, app based services uh, has the pandemic changed uh, the few the plans and the way you look at uh, urban transportation i think if the pandemic taught us anything um, and this is from last year that uh, you know it it really showed us that we're on the right track um, all organizations everyone working in in sustainable transportation we are on the right track like this is definitely something that is very important you know you're you're right last year public transportation decreased because um, of the lockdown and then there were concerns with social with physical distancing but there was also like an increase in cycling and this was like quite interesting to see across the country 
there was almost like a mini cycling revolution happened because it was a quick and easy fast way for people to move around then the ministry also launched this um, cycles for change challenge where they encouraged cities to provide cycle infrastructure and there was some amount of funding given so these are all great things you know things in the right uh, moves in the right uh, direction uh, and one of the things also is that you know during lockdown we all realized last year that we we got out of lockdown with you know cleaner air there's less noise pollution one could hear the birds um, and we also sort of because we were limited in how far we could move we realized that it's important that our neighborhoods are also are designed well you know because you should be able to easily walk to your to get your essentials and go to the pharmacy and drop your child at school and that is something that is extremely important so i think um, streets are also for physical and mental health uh, but unfortunately but by the end of 2020 you know we are back to status quo we are back again at tra- traffic on our roads and all of that so this is one of the biggest takeaways was we definitely need to make our cities more sustainable and put in place long term plans take actions help cities take those actions so that we're in a better place than 20 years from now uh, you talked about this uh, a bit earlier but uh, uh, how do we go about uh, or is it even right to remove more vehicles from the street uh, you mentioned about uh, uh have uh, i think in uk you mentioned there's a kind of tax uh, and in delhi they uh, did practice uh, uh, with respect to the number plate uh, but uh, how do we go about uh, solving this bandwidth limited bandwidth issue with the current roads uh, that we have uh, so is it is it the right thing to do rem- to remove vehicles so the thing is that owning a car in our country and many other many other societies you know is is aspirational right uh, we also have a very strong automobile lobby uh, it's not going to be easy you know banning cars um, and it's probably also not the right solution in the absence of other transport options um, we have cities that are sprawled um, you know there are we have, don't necessarily have the best public transport systems in many cities so removing cars and people will have to rely on those in a, in in inefficient system so until we get the rest of it up to up to the mark up to speed um, removing cars may not be a very practical you know solution uh, so we might need to sort of change our approach to this instead of looking at removing cars entirely look at strengthening non motorized transport look at improving pedestrian infrastructure cycling infrastructure uh, prioritize that uh improve public transport especially for longer commutes improve first and last mile connectivity you know just by doing these things automatically at some point there will be a shift from people who were traveling in cars earlier who now choose to maybe travel uh, by other modes of transport and again this is something that has been seen in other countries so it will probably happen once we get to that point uh, over here and one of the things that i find uh, if i if i remember correctly there was i think a mayor in bogota in uh, colombia who uh, said that uh, you know a developed country is not a place where the poor have cars it's where the rich use public transportation so i think that is something quite i was found quite interesting i think that is something we need to look at uh, 
going back to buses uh, this may be a bit uh, off topic but uh, can you talk about the uh, interior design of buses uh, uh, like we like we discussed earlier the issue one of the issues is crowds and how we have less number of buses uh, so i think one way to uh, make the experience better is to look at the interior design uh, so have you thought about uh, improving or have you thought about ideas uh, in the interior and the experience of the bus you know one of the things that uh, comes to mind is, is uh, how our buses are not designed for again for all users i mean I, i was earlier talking about streets not being designed for all users i don't think our buses are also designed simple thing like if i am on a wheelchair how do i get from the footpath to the bus you know people with disabilities even if you're just old it's is this really hard so we need to make it easy to use you know buses so like simple things like addressing the level difference between the bus floor and the footpath level or the gap that often is there between these two uh, i think designing it for universal access is something that uh, would really help how uh you know the interior experience of the buses and the rest is you know the usual i mean there are many templates for uh, uh, the bus design there are depending on the number of seats but you need to make it accessible to start with so i think that would be one way to go about it uh and what about uh, the role of you know employment versus uh, technology like uh, so you- we can have a smart card systems but you also we also have to look at uh, providing employment to the conductors for example uh, so this is uh, something that uh, uh, so so how does who decides this and uh, does that does this just take time uh, or is there some way to do this uh, or implement it in a better way uh, sorry uh, can you repeat that? question at the night video uh yeah so uh, we have uh, conductors in buses uh, and uh, we have to think about employment uh, instead of while we look at new technologies like implementing smart cards uh, so you don't have a conductor you just have a driver so how does this uh, transition happen uh, is it uh, uh, is, is is it about uh, waiting uh, for the right time or how do we go about doing that that's a good question i think that uh, we need to approach it in a different way we need to look at how where else in this system can we uh, accommodate maybe the loss of employment that comes in because of these uh, because you know of using these uh, smart cards so i mean i i think it's a good question it and i think we'll have to look at that <laughs> uh so so this so, yeah, other technologies that we're seeing today is uh, optimizing travel routes which we see with uh, app based services uh, uh and also with buses uh, but also we have uh, autonomous uh, technology which can drive for us uh, so how do we go or how do you think uh, we implement these new technologies uh, with the current urban spaces uh, so if we have say autonomous uh, Uh, vehicles uh, is there anything any way urban space design can help and work together with such uh, companies so i mean i worry about this okay because i worry that if we make 
I mean, autonomous technologies um, essentially are going to make driving easier. So if you make driving easier, then it makes it easier for everyone to have a car. Now that by itself is not a problem, but what that will result in is that people will want to stay further away. They'll be, uh, I mean, can afford to stay further away. They could could possibly lead to more urban, you know, sprawl. So I mean, which is not necessarily the most sustainable way to go for cities, uh, as far as cities are concerned. But on the other hand, it it might also make it more predictable, right? Because you have machines that can you know drive, who are essentially driving for you. So um because there's no person behind the behind the wheel um, they can actually the machine can actually be trained to yield to the pedestrian so uh, they can also probably drive uh, in more of a straight line possibly than uh, someone who's like physically driving it so maybe we could have narrower lanes um maybe give that additional space for walking so which is a good thing but uh, i think we're a long way away from that i think Uh, it would be great if we also had some kind of innovation in tech for uh, you know walking and cycling that that is something that i i personally would you know, look forward to and as far as optimizing travel routes are concerned i think things like that uh, innovation like that will reduce emissions because it reduces miles traveled so that's still okay but uh, anything that makes driving easier is always a concern right i guess uh, we'll have to start looking at uh, autonomous uh, bicycles then uh, which yeah. be fun i think <laughs> possibly possibly yeah i i don't know how safe those also would be um, uh, i mean there are already conversations about uh, e bikes being too fast and knocking over pedestrians so to weigh the pros and cons of everything i guess uh Uh, so the following are some questions that i uh, ask all of my guests uh, so so you you talked about some of the projects that you are currently working on uh, uh, so can you tell us what you're currently working on both in your career and in your life sure so um one of the thing projects that i'm working on is the one that you mentioned on the outer ring road which is in bangalore and um like i mentioned uh, the outer ring road is a very dangerous place to be a pedestrian today in bangalore as a road itself it was actually planned to be on the outskirts of the city but now as time has progressed it's well within the city limits right now so which means that you have this road and you have residences you have education institutions colleges you have tech parks on either side it's a very very busy road um there are also numerous bus stops because people need to access these places and like i said as people get down from these buses and they cross the road that's when they kind of come into conflict with these speeding vehicles because large portions of the outer ring road are also signal free right to improve congestion or uh, to reduce the congestion to avoid it entirely actually so vehicles are moving at like 80 90 kilometers per hour which is insane and you hit a pedestrian and it's 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 really very sad that people are losing their lives this way um there are a number of black spots that the traffic police actually had already um identified uh, these are high risk locations where there are more of these concentrated deaths and a lot of them were at these locations literally acts located at the bus stops so one of our suggestions was to you know introduce something which is called a raised crossing which like i mentioned earlier is basically a pedestrian crossing that is elevated to the level of the footpath and with a ramp on either side so it comes across the road and vehicles have to it's almost like a speed hump uh but just trapezoidal in section so 
it helps in reducing vehicle speeds but also demarcates a very clear place for pedestrians to cross so if before people uh, because there were no pedestrian crossings would cross at three four random locations wherever you know using their judgment whenever they saw a gap in traffic they would sort of cross at least now hopefully they cross on this one particular designated location near these bus stops so this detail is something that uh, we worked on and uh, worked with the uh, corporation to uh, implement it and construct it and that is something that we are uh, working with them on several other locations on the road uh, this is an alternative to you know the skywalk which i personally think is not the best solution for pedestrian crossings at certain locations like highways it might be but um, along roads where you have frequent pedestrian crossing and skywalks tend to not be used because they are unsafe they are inconvenient after the point so uh, we need to look at other pedestrian crossing solutions and that's one of the projects that um, i'm i'm currently working on and um, yeah i mean it is this and apart from this i uh, uh currently i mean we have the second wave of covid going on so things have slowed down a bit uh, otherwise but uh, always trying to understand what is the you know how how can we help cities recover from an infrastructure perspective from the you know pandemic because road safety continues to be a continues to be a priority because you don't want to lose more lives and uh, number one and number two further burden health infrastructure at this point so how can we continue to keep roads safer when there is possibly a limited budget for it uh, given that a lot of it might be diverted for dealing with the pandemic so that's something that i'm thinking about i'm wondering you know brainstorming on solutions at this point uh going back to the first question uh, when we talked about your career and journey uh, what kind of career path would you recommend to uh, anyone who's interested in uh, working in urban design and transportation uh, space uh, you mentioned how you switched from architecture to urban design is there a is there a or do you suggest a career path do you have a suggestion i think one of the uh, one of the things i like about urban design is that it's so multidisciplinary that while i might be trained as an urban designer there are many other professionals working in the same space uh, maybe with different degrees right so you could be a transportation engineer and also be working on urban design project um, so people take different routes uh, i did architecture did urban design and now i'm here um there are people who have done a masters in planning bachelors in planning then a masters in planning and then they work on urban planning projects uh, there are civil engineers who then did a masters in transportation engineering transportation sciences and are also working in the same space there are also economists who have gone on to study planning and are now working on this space so uh, there are several career paths that one could choose i just uh, the only thing i'd say is that start with what you're interested in at that point you never know how your you know as you get exposed to more and more things your interests also keep changing so start with something that allows you the gives you the opportunity to switch uh, if you want to at, at any point can you name some books that uh, bring value to you uh this is a uh, 
this could potentially be a long question, long answer. <laughs> um, I uh, like so. I was actually um, one of the first books in this field that I read was um, uh, Kevin Lynch's. Uh, I forget the name, but there are two three books by Kevin Lynch and Jane Jacobs. Um, Jane Jacobs was the the death and life of great American cities. Uh, that was something that was quite interesting for me to read as a young architect. There's also this book called Street Fight by um, Janet Sadiq Khan. She was the transportation commissioner of New York when all these you know great changes, 2009 onwards. And it documents her story in how she worked with the city. She was actually part of the city, how they worked to make these uh, changes and you know, face a lot of backlash and how they dealt with it. So on the work side, I'd say these are a few of my books. Uh, apart from this, I do, um, you know, I, I personally enjoyed uh, Atomic Habit by Charles Duhay. And um, there's a book by Sheena Iyengar called The Art of Choosing, which gets, which, which very interestingly talks about how we make choices and why we make choices. And I think at somewhere at some point, all of that relates to the you know, design work that uh, we do. So, yeah. Uh, what about in life? What uh, values in life are important to you? Uh, this might be a simple question, but uh, I think it's uh, it's important to talk about uh, values in life. I think uh, being authentic, uh, being honest, um, and honest to yourself and the work that you want to do. Commitment to whatever you're doing being consistent. I think these are uh, things that we've all, we all know and we've heard as children, just keep at it, work hard, be consistent. But really the value of that is, I mean, I, I feel it a lot now. Uh, yeah, I think these are some of the things that are uh, important if you want to make a difference in, uh, in your life and the work that you do. Uh, finally, where can uh, people uh, connect you online and uh... Uh, get in touch with you so uh, my i'm pretty active on twitter so my twitter account is um, akhila suri so if anyone wants to reach out to me i am available on twitter or also on linkedin i'd be very happy to connect with anyone who has any questions so this has been a really interesting conversation uh, i advocate uh, public transportation and I'm uh, really excited to see all the changes that's uh, happening around Bangalore and other cities. Uh, so thank you so much for working in uh, this space. And uh, thank you for taking time to speak with me. Thanks, Nathan. This has been a great conversation. And uh, thanks for uh, your podcast and like uh, calling all these very interesting people from different parts of society and hearing their views. I think... Uh, what you're doing is of great value to a lot of youngsters today. Uh, I hope so. I'm... Thank you so much. <laughs>